Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. He's shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. So hello and welcome to another edition of the Cuda Confidential Podcast, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks American League affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. I'm Nick Nolenberger, the broadcaster for the Barracuda, alongside with marketing manager Joey Goldstein. Well, it was another successful week, Joey. The team wins all three games. They've now won five in a row six in a row at home, and are riding an eight-game point streak, which is the longest in the AHL. The team sits atop the American League in winning percentage, home and road winning percentage as well. It's been quite the stretch to begin the season. We're now through the first, I guess, third of it, and the team has the best record in the Pacific. They are rolling with 15 wins now and are coming off that 4 nothing win against Bakersfield on Sunday for Kansas City Blades Night. And four different goal scorers, as we've seen the theme. There hasn't been many nights where you get multi-goal scorers, multi-night goal scorers, I guess. Everybody's kind of contributing, and it's been a balanced attack, and the team uh, continues just to collect points and continues to kind of chug along. The wagon continues to roll along. The it wagon does. keeps going. This, uh, this team has been special. Uh, it's, it's fun to watch. You're getting contributions all throughout the lineup. you get got guys like Alexander True riding point streaks, John McCarthy riding point streaks, Francis Perron. I mean – Everybody's able to contribute, and the goaltending has been outstanding on top of all that. So to to know as a forward or defenseman that you've got Antoine or Yosef behind you to really hold things down, is it's, it's reassuring on your end. But also for the goalies to know that the play out in front of you is easy, you know, that can't be replaced either. After the game uh, in, in the locker room, Yosef Koronash was named, you know, the guys gave him the player of the game honors. He kind of said, he said, he started off 3 nothing early. He goes, that was the easiest game I ever played. I mean, he <laughs> said it was just it was just easy for him. You, you don't, when your team jumps out to, I mean, we scored the fastest goal in team history. Is it 23 seconds? 23 seconds. Previous mark was 24 seconds. So and then just we, beat it. And then we scored how many seconds later? Uh, what, 15, something like that? Yeah. And so. the first three minutes, 33 seconds, we had a three-goal lead. And by that point, I mean... Bakersfield was clearly on on their heels and and kind of feeling the pressure a bit. We didn't score again until late, late in the game, but still that to be down a hole that early makes things easy for the goalies, but certainly puts uh, puts you back if you're Bakersfield. It does indeed, and San Jose just continues to get, you know, as I, I touched off right at the start, contributions up and down the lineup. John McCarthy has been scoring at high rate. He had goals in three straight going into Sunday's game. Dylan Gambrell has points in five of his last six. Or Chartier at a goal. He has points now in six consecutive games for, you know, the Barracuda. And their leading goal scorer, Francis Perron, who's putting goals up in bunches. He has points in six of his last, or seven of his last eight, three multi-point games. And to add on to all that, Antti Suomelo was reassigned back down to the Barracuda. We expect him to make his debut this weekend if he's to stay with the team all the way up until Saturday. You know, that's just another offensive piece that head coach Roy Sommer can go to. Suomela, of course, began the season with the Sharks. He was the leader uh, in scoring last year in a very good Finnish elite league. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a highly touted free agent. Um, You know, there's talks he had 10 to 15 teams trying to acquire his services. The Sharks landed him. He was excellent in training camp. 
he's had a good start, I think, but it's just another opportunity to get him some big minutes um, here at the AHL level, maybe for him, kind of boost the confidence up a bit. Yeah, I for sure thought when I was, he started the season with the big club, he was a guy I did not expect to see at any point during the season, similar to what happened with Jonas Donskoy a couple of years ago. Guy who was on a two-way deal, but I never expected uh, that we were going to have him at any point during the year, especially because he started out so strong and had so much chemistry with those guys. Uh, but that's the the luxury of this organization being so deep right now, uh, kind of all through at every position. Uh, it just makes our strong team that much stronger to have somebody else play down the middle. I mean, now you're looking at a Gambrell, Chartier, Suomela, and Latunov down the middle. Not to mention you could have where's Alexander True fit in, where's John McCarthy, who's not naturally a center. He can slide in anywhere. I mean, it's all suddenly we are almost is it possible to be too deep because <laughs> i mean this we've it's some guys are gonna be forced out of the lineup now who probably don't deserve to be forced out of the lineup yeah and sue Amella, who uh he was riding a seven game streak in which he didn't have a point so again i think it goes to just trying to build his confidence and to be determined whether he'll even make the trip um, down to Southern California. I would expect he would. I would expect him to get a couple games and then call, probably go right back up. But, you know, you did mention when you have a lot of depth at the forward position, certain players, maybe if um, whether it's right or wrong, they're going to get bumped out of the lineup. But Matt Fontaine, who I thought has been really solid as of late, he goes out of the lineup because Vincent Praplin returns from injuries. So those kind of things happen. Luckily, you know, in a situation like that, there's these guys, they put their egos to the side. And you get a, a Fontaine who's a young player and still kind of learning the pro game. It's not as hard to say, hey, you're going to sit out tonight compared to maybe dealing with veteran guys who are expecting to be in the lineup every single night, no matter what their performance are. So you see a Fontaine go out, it would be to be determined on who would kick out um, if Suomela jumps into the lineup. But, yeah, it's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches right now for Roy Somers' team. But uh, they'll take it right now with all the depth at the forward position and the depth on the back end as well. They have AD who could play at any point. But there's guys who are getting held out. You know, Tomas Gregoire, he has a three-game point streak, and he hasn't played in the last three or four games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really liked his game. Uh, the last time he played. The, the coaching staff was really happy with his game, but there's other guys too who are maybe a little bit more experienced um, that are getting into the lineup, and it's deserved. There's no one really on the backhand who should be taken out right now, and I think that's why a Gregoire and a Fry aren't in is because of that. And then, you know, you go all the way to the back, and the goaltending has been tremendous, and that's the reason why these goalies switch off every other game is because they've been both so good um, to start the year. And, you know, there's a lot of exciting pieces to this team, and if they just continue to stick with the philosophy and the approach that they've taken every day, day and that's a confidence and a swagger that they build every single game that they win, it's going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about we've talked a lot about the goaltending, and we have talked a lot about you know certain guys in the the front end of the ice, especially someone like Francis Perron, who's leading the way for the Barracuda right now, is statistically. Uh, but like you said, the back end can't be overlooked either. I mean, M- Jake Middleton and Nick DeSimone kind of lead the way. Uh, Middleton's just overall game has improved so quickly since he was on here on an AHL deal, and obviously now he's on an NHL deal. He's right on the cusp of being, an, you know, an NHL player. I mean, he's he. It's similar to what Dylan Demello went through a couple of years ago. I mean, he's still really Jake's still really young when he all things considered. Um, and for defensemen, that's pretty rare to find someone who can develop that quickly. And then Nick D. Simone. 
on the other end is showing flashes of what we saw with Tim Heed and Joachim Ryan a couple of years ago where he's just so comfortable with the puck and, and taking control of the play, a, a power play, and really running the show from the back end. He seems like he's got points in just about every other game. He's always on the score sheet. If he's not on the score sheet, he's involved in the play. Um, you know, He may not be as strong defensively as someone like Yokes was, but offensively he's he can compete just as much. Minus maybe the booming slap shot that that heater had. That that's tough to for anybody to come up with. Yeah, that was a great defensive um, pairing at heater and uh, Joachim Ryan this year with De Simone. He's been you know off and on with the Middleton brothers, and it hasn't mattered who he's played with. He's been effective, and, it, and I think that's due in part to the fact that Desi's got a year under his belt. He's a little bit older, having played collegiately. Um, but yeah, he's made some huge strides. He was in and out of the lineup last year, and he's a staple now in there on the back end for San Jose. And they've just got depth pretty much at pretty much at every single position. Yeah, Middleton just 22 years of age, and his third year now in the second of his three-year entry-level contract. So you know, there's not a lot of room up top on the back end. We're seeing Redeem Shimmick excel, former Barracuda defender who's with us all of last year. Man, he's played well. Congratulations to him, first NHL goal yesterday. They love him. It's, I mean, I mean, he's. It's tough. You get a guy like that who comes in. He hasn't played in it was, was it twenty seven games. He hadn't played in before stepping in the lineup, and then you put him in with someone like Brent Burns, who is a bona fide superstar in the league. Which that can be intimidating alone, but with the way Burns' style of play is, jumping up into the play, that can be tough to accommodate to. And he is the first Sharks uh, stat brought to you by the Sharks PR <laughs> department. He's the he was the first Sharks player. All right, maybe it was rookie, and his first two games to finish as a positive in the plus-minus. Nobody else has ever done that. Really? As, as, it might have been as far as rookie defensemen go. Hmm. Nobody else has, has had that success that early. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he scored. He's already got his first assist, and he, looks, he just looks comfortable. And maybe a part of that's because he's played the pro game before. Uh, obviously, the NHL is a much bigger jump than the, the Czech League, but he's played professionally. He's a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned, just like Lukas Radil. He's a little bit older than most of the rookies, too, but uh, it's it's paid off, and I'm glad to see his success. That's got to be you know, tough for someone like Yokes or Heater, who now just it's going to be tough for them to jump back in the lineup. And as we've seen over the last couple of years, and you see all the time, things change quickly, but we certainly like uh – you know, certainly the coaching staff likes the way Shimmick has played. He scored, as we said, uh, on Monday night, his first of his NHL career. And, yeah, he's playing with a lot of confidence. He's 26. He's played professionally in the Czech Republic. He played in the World Championships for the Czech team. I mean, he's a seasoned guy. So although he is a rookie in the NHL, you can just tell by the way he plays that he's kind of been there on some big stages in his career. And we, we even saw him uh, kind of dictate on where he wanted Burnsy to go at times. So, yeah. I mean, that, that takes a bit of cojones right there to, to tell a Norris Trophy winner what um, to do on the ice in your first or second game. But you give him credit, and Burnsy uh, listened. And I think uh, so far so good as that uh, pairing continues to, continues to mesh. So, you know, going back to Jake Middleton, you know, he just needs to continue to develop his game because he is, I think, if called upon, he would be more than ready to go up and play. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're certainly happy to have him down with us right now. Yeah, he makes a big impact. He's he's an all-situation type player. He's always on the ice. He wears a letter for us. I mean, he's a big part of our team. And, yes, while you have a luxury of eight defensemen who can all step in and play, he's one of the guys who, if for some reason he got hurt or, or if he was pulled up to the big club, that would be a big loss for the team I mean who knows how we'd react to it right but um, 
that's that's one guy who would be tough to see this team without right now because he's been such a big piece. There's no doubt about it, and uh, that decor as a whole has been really, really solid. And so have the forwards. I mean, it's been you, you don't start the way you have without uh, you know having depth at all three levels. Let's shift our attention a bit ahead to what's to come this upcoming weekend. The Barracuda are off until Saturday night. They'll await the arrival of the San Diego Goals to Valley View Casino Center. I say arrival because the Goals will be playing the night before in Bakersfield. So they've got about a four-and-a-half-hour bus trip from Baco to San Diego. They probably won't morning skate, and then they'll face the Barracuda. It'll be a 7 o'clock puck drop at the Valley View Casino Center. The first visit for San Jose down to San Diego. And then they'll follow it up on Sunday. It's a 3 o'clock puck drop against the Ontario Reign. And over my first couple years here in the American League, we haven't had this setup, but it reoccurs several times over the year but you play back-to-backs against Ontario and San Diego often we would just go down and play a pair against San Diego or go down and play a pair against Ontario they're splitting it up so that's about an hour and a half bus trip maybe two hours Um, that'll shake it up a bit and then you come back home on Monday before traveling day of to face the same goals down in San Diego on Wednesday night. So a pretty busy road schedule over the next week and a half for San Jose. And then they'll return back home before the Christmas break as they'll uh, play a pair of games against the Tucson Roadrunners. But you take on San Diego, we've already faced now, and then an Ontario team you haven't faced since the first game of the season. So a bit of unknown, it's going to be a different monster going on the road against two teams who, at this point, are going to start hitting the point of desperation because they sit at the bottom of the Pacific, and if the trend continues, the downward trend for these clubs, they're going to be out of the picture, and they're going to be out of it early. Yeah, and you saw uh, just recently the Ducks organization decide to make a bit of a shakeup. You know, they, they worked out some deals with uh, the Toronto organization. They sent Steve Oleski uh, to Toronto. They got Adam Cracknell back, and uh, they also brought back Goalie, who you had mentioned was in uh, in Rockford last year, and Jeff Glass, who actually beat the Barracuda last year, and we were there. Uh, so it's a, a bit of a shakeup, a couple veteran guys, but maybe just needed a change of scenery, a change in – I know Oleski was a captain in San Diego too, so just a change in overall leadership and just a, a shift of – you know, the the locker mentality kind of maybe sending a message. but it, So the team that we saw on Monday, like this is going to be completely different. So you you can't take, even though they're at the bottom of the uh, bottom of the division, both these teams really, you can't take either of them lightly because they always play you tough. Um, and you really don't know what you're going to get. Every, every game is a tough one in the American Hockey League. There's no doubt about it. And that's an underachieving San Diego team right now. They often have pieces pulled from their group because of the injury bug that has hit the Ducks over the last couple of years. And the fact that the Ducks are really trying to go more to a speed game we saw in the playoffs last year with the Sharks, they looked you know, like they were moving in mud at times. And the Sharks are just that much quicker of a team. And I think Anaheim really opened their eyes getting swept in that series. We need to have speed. We need to have youth. That's the way the game is going. And so that just takes more players away from San Diego who struggled out of the gates. I think the Ducks have been a bit of a, I think in my opinion, have been a bit of a surprise in the way they've started. I think they're hanging in there in that Pacific division. But San Diego just off to really a tough start. They're worst so far in franchise history over their first four years. And they're at the bottom of the Pacific division. They've got three first-rounders on that team though and they've got some veteran guys who have proven to be at least at the very least high-end American League hockey players and Chase DeLeo for an example who they signed as a free agent from Winnipeg he's a Southern California native scored against San Jose but you look at the Troy Terriers who's one of the best young rookies in the American Hockey League but then they've got three first rounders as well and it's just not worked for them so far for whatever reason and you know I'd expect them to as they come home the message only gets more intense and more you know sharp for them 
we need to start getting in gear, and if we don't, then changes are going to start being made. And as you mentioned, Joe, you ship out the captain. Two veterans will crisscross paths on their way from the east to the west or you know, go in two different directions. And then Jeff Glass coming over as well as there was an injury up um, with Ryan Miller at the Anaheim, with the Anaheim Ducks. So that shakes it up. Coro goes up and you know, so on and so forth. Dominoes yeah. fall. Yeah, I, they'll figure out at some point. I mean, Dallas Eakins is a good coach. He, he should be able to get those guys going. Uh, I don't think it's a reflection on them at all. I just think it's not being able to hit your stride and having to play teams like us and Tucson who have kind of been dominant so far this early in the season. Um, speaking of Tucson, they're kind of still the team that's going to chomp at our heels all year long despite having, uh, I guess, the big difference between the two teams, ours and theirs, is that they've had a lot more movement between their big club and their AHL club with Aiden Hill going up and Michael Bunting and Connor Garland, a lot of guys going back and forth where we've kind of been pretty consistent throughout, but same situation we're in where whoever you put in the lineup is going to perform and keep the team uh, keep the team rolling. And you can go back to last season for San Diego. They were the fourth team to get into the playoffs, at least you thought they were, mm-hmm. until they went on that, that skit at the end in San Jose, of course, went on that red-hot terror, got into the playoffs. So you can go back and look at San Diego. They lose those final, I think, five games of the regular season last year. And they're just 8-11-1-1 this year. So it's been a tough stretch for them if you carry that over. Yeah. you know, and, and a team that was... You know, they've had the best record. If you combine the record over the first four years in the Pacific, they actually have the best out of all the teams. So um, it's been a pretty impressive kind of juggernaut of a team over the last, you know, three years at the, of this Pacific division. But this year just has not started the way they would like. They've lost now four in a row. And, uh, you know, they're at just a 429 winning percentage are the goals at, again, 8-11-1-1. So... Um, I, you look at the roster. I mean, just, there's too many good players on it. I, I just, you know, mm-hmm. there's, it's tough to put your finger on what's going on down there. It'll, it'll, like I said, it'll all turn around at some point, similar to, you know, everything kind of finds a way to work itself out. I mean, right now, five on five, we're just as good, if not better, than every other team in the American Hockey League when it comes to being at full strength. Our power play is, for lack of a better term, awful. Our power play is not, has not been that good, right? But the minute that power play clicks everything's going to change. We're going to be that much more dominant. The minute that San Diego team gets clicking, they're not going to be an easy team to play against. They're not an easy team to play against now. But when that team starts hitting their stride, because they've got enough talent and they ha- the talent is there, they're going to be tough to play against. That's just kind of the, that's the ups and downs of a season, I guess. You know, It's just unfortunate that it's been so down this early on. I guess if you don't have the pieces, then you're really in a, in a world of hurt. If you have the pieces and maybe you're not – you know, excelling or meeting the expectations, at least the silver lining is the fact that you have the pieces and eventually you expect it to turn around. I think the same can be said with San Jose's power play. It's only a matter of time before, you know, they start putting pucks in the back of the net at a regularity because the pieces are there. Gambrell hasn't, you know, scored as much as you would think, but is getting points still. I think he's going to start hitting his stride. It gets a goal in the last game. Perron's been great on the power play. Latunov is a guy that you look for maybe to add some offense. There's plenty of guys down up and down the lineup that I think can contribute on the power play. It's going to be a scary team if the, when this power play kind of hits its stride. Because we've been so dominant now and you add the man advantage, which we've kind of struggled with, it, it, we're just going to be that much better as we go forward. No doubt about it. So we look at San Jose. They are plus 31 in goal differential, which is by far the best in the AHL. 
They're keeping pucks out of the net, and they're scoring, you know, goals as well. They're just under four goals per game, and I think they're averaging just over two against a game. So, I mean, that's a pretty good recipe for success for San Jose so far this season. So looking ahead at San Diego and Ontario, this the sixth and seventh teams in the Pacific Division. Still going to be a tough test this upcoming weekend because it's going to be on the road, and it's not easy to win on the road. San Jose has been one of the best road teams, though. They do hold the best winning percentage on visiting ice, and they have points in – three straight games or make it four straight games on the road as well. Let's shift our attention a bit, Joe. Um, there was some news. The National Hockey League announced the addition of a 30-second franchise. Seattle will get an NHL team in the 2021-22 season, and that always has an impact on the AHL, meaning we're probably going to get another team, most likely to the Pacific, unless, of course, they decide in that first year to do what Vegas did a couple years ago, and that split affiliations probably with an organization owned by a separate owner like Chicago, what Vegas did with St. Louis last year, and now they have their own AHL affiliate solely as the ownership of Chicago. Meanwhile, St. Louis goes to San Antonio, Colorado kicks to Colorado. They, they became the Eagles, but it would be interesting on where Seattle ends up putting their franchise. I know there's several different options they could choose from. Yeah, I don't know, and from everything that they've kind of put out in the media, it sounds like they want their own team. They do not want to come into a situation where they got to share. Like They want to own a franchise and let that be that. Where that team ends up is it's like closing your eyes and throwing darts at the dartboard. I mean, you have no idea. There are plenty of options out there that have been out on the Internet, things that have been discussed. It could be, could be something in Seattle. It could be something near Tacoma. It could be Southern California. It could be Fresno. It could be Reno, Salt Lake City, all these Boise teams that or places that have rinks, have successful ECHL franchises, could be starting from scratch in a place where they have a rink, building a new rink somewhere. It's hard to say what it's going to be, but I would guarantee that this team is part of our division since we're the one, uh, we're the, I think we're the only team with seven in the seven teams in our division in the American Hockey yep. League right now. So it's almost a guarantee that they join us, but uh, where they end up, it's, it's too tough to tell at this point, but they do want a team from everything that I've seen. And then you see where, where the dominoes fall. We, we talked about it a bit uh, off air. Was Does Vancouver decide to bring their team out there? That would be a rivalry because you know Seattle and Vancouver at the NHL level are going to be an instant rival. Would they bring their American League out team out west? They obviously have them right now currently in Utica, New York, which you got to bring guys cross-country. They have a great relationship. I think they like that setup. But from a logistical standpoint and from a player's standpoint in terms of performance on the ice when you recall a guy, it just makes no sense mm -hmm. to have him in Utica, New York. So let's say hypothetically, if we're going to talk about it, they bring Vancouver decides to bring their team out west. So you've got Seattle and Vancouver. Then most likely Colorado would kick to the Central Division in the in the AHL because Colorado's the most centralized team right. in our division. That's quite a, a flight. So, you know, you continue to see where the dominoes kind of fall with the Coyotes. It's already been announced. They'll join the Central at the NHL level. I'd expect the Pacific side in terms of the AHL, Tucson would stay. Colorado, if they needed to leave, would leave. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's it'll be, I mean, obviously we're talking about something that's two or three years away, at least from happening. Um, but I, the talks are, are, happening so who knows you may hear something sooner rather than later but um it'll be something to keep an eye on from the ahl standpoint as as uh 
that Seattle franchise gets its legs under it. Absolutely. It'll be fun. It's always fun to have a new team. We've had Colorado come into the division this year, which has been fun. Um, we've already been out there once. Wasn't a fun result. Lost yeah. both of them, but it was still fun. Yeah. We went in the preseason as well. It's a different building. They've got a great crowd. And it's good to get these established. I think it is, in my opinion. Get established ECHL franchises that already have a fan base, already support the team. They really know what they're going to get. And then you're able to just have that seamless transition and get a team quickly. Yeah, you have to wonder, too, if they do end up putting oh, – it will end up happening, say, if it ends up happening. But when they put a, another AHL team in here, if it ends up being close nearby on the West Coast, you wonder if uh, – right now, obviously, the Pacific Division is playing less games than everybody else. You wonder if you add that extra team and it's a little bit closer and whatnot, maybe we end up playing a, a, a fuller schedule uh, to kind of match up with the rest of the league. May result in a little bit more travel, but hopefully seeing some more teams a little bit uh, more often than we normally do, and kind of filling things out so we don't have these week-long breaks where we've kind of got nothing going on. Yeah, that would be interesting. I know that was part of the deal when they brought them out west was, hey, we want to play 68 games, Mm -hmm. and it took a while for everybody to get on board. We want to play less games. That means more practice in the week. For us, it means we've got – Three or four days off, where we got no games. We're filling. Maybe our... it's a middle ground, though, right? Maybe it's not immediately jumping up to whatever other division other division is playing. Where I believe it's seventy four, seventy six, seventy six. But maybe, maybe it drops down to seventy four. You kind of yeah. maybe everybody agrees to meet in the middle. Who knows? Yep. Another knows? thing to keep an eye on, but it's yep. years away. So. Yep, we've got time. Who yeah. knows? What's, you know, there's a lot to yeah. lot that happens in between, but it's fun to talk about for sure because it's going to be fun to have a new NHL franchise. It'll be fun to have a new American Hockey League franchise, and it'll be interesting. We'll have another expansion draft, so we'd expect uh, maybe not the success that Vegas had to make it to a final. We expect Seattle to be competitive pretty quickly. I think every NHL GM is going to make sure they don't get. Uh, I think they learned their lesson. Yeah, I think yeah. they watched what Vegas did and kind of how they monopolized everything. I mean. George McPhee did a fantastic job, mm-hmm. kind of the way he handled the expansion draft. Yep. You got to figure most GMs are kind of looking at it and being a little bit more weary of what's going on uh, this time around, knowing how much success they had. Now, obviously, even if Seattle does a tremendous job and you know has a great expansion draft, it's going to be hard to replicate what Vegas did. I think there are a lot of things factored in with Vegas. Yeah, there's some uh, lady luck there too. Yeah, there definitely is, um, but. You know, who knows? It's it's I, I just it's so hard to see another expansion team coming in and making a cup run. I just doubt. Yeah, I, I would doubt that happened. But it was uh, you know, in my opinion, as tough as w- it was to watch because you see an expansion team beat your club and you know so on and so forth. It's good for the league. You want to bring mm-hmm. a new team in oh, to yeah. an untraditional market. You don't want them to be a a bottom feeder. Right. You, know, you don't want them to take four or five years to even be halfway competitive. Now, do you expect them to make the final? I don't think anybody could have predicted that. I think it's a bit of, you know, Vegas odds didn't predict that. I think Vegas, if you would have put money at the start of the year for them to make They're it to like the Stanley Cup. They're like 30 to 1. Yeah, it was nearly impossible. So, that's unlikely, but it'll be, I think, the Seattle franchise, unless, you know, that, that group there that uh, is acquiring players ends up just having a big blunder, you'd expect them to be competitive right away just on the way it's set up. So, to be determined. Yeah, we're we're a few years away, but it'll be it'll be fun to see what uh, what comes to be, where they end up putting their franchise, and how it impacts the you know the overall Pacific Division here in the American Hockey League. So, I don't know, Joe. Kind of a weird week, a little bit for us because we're off. We don't have a lot until next week, which we'll touch on in our podcast coming up next week. We have got Teddy Bear Toss, yeah. Two to Christmas, lots yeah. of stuff, and twenty first, twenty second. Yeah, next week will be a busy one and uh, an exciting one. I mean, Teddy Bear Toss. It may not be. 
there may not be a giveaway or a specialty jersey, but personally, I think that's the most fun game of the year. Yep. And even it just seeing teddy bears get thrown on the ice like that all at once. I mean, especially if the building's full, it it's a sight. Yes. And you've got so everybody's going to be out of school. Most people are not working. It's the twenty first of December, so people, you got Friday no night. excuse. It's a Friday night. Two dollar beers. Two dollar beers. One dollar hot, hot dogs. I mean, you just can't beat it. If you got a big group, if you got family coming to town, I think it's the perfect thing. And aside from that, we're not just pitching you hockey. We're not just pitching you, you know, cheap beers and cheap entertainment and having fun. We're not just pitching fun. You're you're also helping these kids in the community because these things are collected, and we're donating them throughout the community to kids who otherwise around this time of year maybe wouldn't even receive a gift. So it's a great cause. You know, you're doing the community uh, a service, and you're enjoying yourself. I, I don't think there's I don't think there's much arm pulling that needs to go down with this because it's about as self-explanatory yeah. as possible. And, and it's a great night. And you're coming to watch the best team in the second best hockey league in the world. Why wouldn't you, with how inexpensive tickets are, why wouldn't you want to come down for a Friday night before, you know, if you're a college-age student or a young adult, if you're going to go out for the night, like, why not come here before and check out the game? Or if you're looking for something to do on a Friday night with the family, why not come out and check it out? I mean, you, you we, we harp on it every single week, but, like, you can't beat it. No. What else are you doing? And this, I mean, you mentioned it's a great team. The difference between the National Hockey League and the American Hockey League, there are very subtle things that are the difference between a guy who's a full-time NHLer and a guy who's American Hockey League. You see it all the time. A guy goes up and plays well, and he, you know, without skipping a beat. It's, it's one. It's usually it's one small thing that's keeping them away. Yeah. It could be they aren't fast enough. They're maybe not strong enough. They're a little bit slow defensively. It's one tiny little thing, and it's. I mean, that's that's really it. The mm-hmm. biggest difference you see as a, as a whole when watching the two games. Passing is crisper on the NHL level. That's it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's all it's just as fast. There's pr- probably a little bit more physical on our level, but it's I mean, if you like hockey, what's not to love? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is a fast San Jose team. I think that's if you had to look for one thing to say why they've had as much success as they've had the fast. I mean, the, the breakaway Perron had uh, on Sunday against Bakerfield. Shot out of a cannon. Yeah. And he bolted down the ice. And we talked a little bit about it. He's got a tremendous shot. And he took that shot from the top of the circles. Yeah. And go ahead and see it. Yeah. Just buzzed right by him. I mean, he, yeah, he wired that thing. I, I couldn't believe he pulled the trigger as quick as he did. He moved in. And, again, it was from distance. Yeah. It, was a, it was a perfect shot. But, yeah, come out. Teddy Bear Toss, December 21st. It's going to be a great time. If you're unfamiliar with the tradition, it's become massively popular among both minor league and junior hockey, even at the collegiate level. The home team scores the first goal. Fans bring teddy bears, stuffed animals, what have you. They throw them on the ice, that first goal. It's going to be a little bit of an extended break because we've got to collect them, so we'll have a bit of a break in the action. Took us seven minutes last year. Seven minutes. So that we was had, it. what, 4,500 bears? It went quick last year. Hopefully we... If, if, let's surpass 4,500. Yeah, well, we definitely want to surpass yeah, 4,500. Let's, let's, let's shoot for 10. I mean, we just saw Hershey... Still 34000 I think we can do ten. Yeah. Um, but it's a great cause. Again, these are going to kids that wouldn't otherwise maybe even get a gift or they're in the hospital for an illness. What you have, whatever, whatever it is, these kids are, you know, extremely deserving of this, and uh, you can help them out uh, during this holiday season. So that will be December 21st, next home game for the Barracuda, and they welcome in the Tucson Roadrunners. So not only is it uh, – 
all this stuff going on, it's the top two teams in the Pacific Division. Right on our heels. It's going to be uh, – it's going to be yeah, – I'm, I'm excited to play them because it's going to be fun to see how that goes. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's important too for, for Roy in the, in the All-Star game because the team with the highest win percentage at the end of December – uh, their coach gets to go on and coach the, uh, the all-star game for the Pacific Division. So if we can fend off uh, Tucson, it would be nice to see Roy coach the all-star game, which I'm not sure if he's ever been to the all-star game to, as, a, as a coach. So uh, that could be pretty cool for him and his extended career. Yes, sir, and that'll be in Springfield, Mass. at the end of January, so that'll be fun. Back to Massachusetts, where he spent all that time as the head coach of the Worcester Sharks. To be determined, right now, San Jose's in a great spot. Joe, anything else before we say so long? Uh, yeah, I want to tr- give something a shot here. What's kind of, hopefully, try to do a little Q&A. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, if, if you're, you're out there listening to the podcast, you got questions for, for us about the team. I, I guess really could be about whatever you want. It could be about the team. It could be things behind the scenes. Whatever you really want to know. Uh, let us know. You could send it to us on Twitter. You could, with the hashtag Cuda Confidential, if you wanted to, you could send it to the Barracuda account. You could send it to Nick's account. If you really want to send it to my account, you could. You could email us. Email frenzy at sjbarracuda.com. We can look for your questions there. Uh, but definitely send us some questions, and hopefully we can kind of keep this uh, going year, uh, week after week and uh, you know, answer you know, a handful of questions each week to give you guys some insight uh, behind the scenes what you're looking for. Yeah, we really kind of consider and approach this podcast as just an open discussion. So however you want to be involved, if you have questions, if you want you know, anything you want to answer, could or related, we'll be more than happy to include in the podcast. And again, all the message platforms that Joy mentioned, you can reach out to us and uh, send those questions and we'll uh, answer them if appropriate here on, uh, the, on the podcast. Yeah, and I think also too, I mean, we, we had Thomas Gregoire on a couple weeks ago we definitely want to bring more guests on. You know, let us know who you guys want to hear from. I mean, we obviously we know who which guys have some personality, but we want to hear from you guys because it's not when we talk with these guys, it's we're talking hockey, but we want to get to know them a little bit behind the scenes, what makes them tick, and give you guys a, an inside look to who these guys are. So if there's somebody you guys want to hear from, you want to see as a guest, let us know. I'm sure next week we'll we'll aim to bring somebody on. But uh, you know, if you if there's somebody you want to hear from. Give us a shout. Yep, no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. One thing of note, I know these guys want to score that teddy bear goal. Oh, yeah, everybody wants they to want score to. the goal. This is important. It seems like maybe they – I just want to – you know, they want to win the game. Yeah. There's no doubt. But guys want to score that goal. Yeah, no, for sure. There was a uh, – last year, our teddy bear toss game, Paul Martin played for us. And he was very disappointed. Obviously, he's a guy who never really played a ton of – you know, minor league games. He hadn't played before San Jose. He, he really, really wanted to score the Teddy Bear <laughs> toss goal. So it's everybody wants it. I mean, we've had John McCarthy scored last year, Marcus Sorensen the year before, and Barkley Goodrow scored uh, the year that during year one we had the Teddy Bear toss. So uh, I wonder if maybe J Mac keeps his streak going, gets another one. Well, I'll predictions. I, I say we pr- we do predictions next week. We'll predict on predictions uh, for goals. Next put money week. on the board. We'll predict uh, who, who's going to score. We'll no bias, us. but we'll it's just going to be gut guest, feeling. Special guests will have to get involved, gut too. Feeling. Yeah, maybe I like we'll, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we get the staff involved, too. We'll have everybody vote on who are uh, going to score. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll maybe we'll reveal to our listeners, but we won't, like, you know, tell everybody who they're voting for and all that stuff. Yeah, but. We'll, say who, we'll say who got, uh, you know, who got the most votes. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that'll be good. I like it. I like it. All right, that's, uh, that's it for me. Anything else? That's all I got. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. See you.